Good morning. My name is Brad. Uh, welcome again. Uh, if you're new, this is going to be a fun Sunday because you'll get to like see everything about us. Uh, I'm going to share all sorts of things about who we are as a church. If you've been around for a long time, this is an important Sunday also because you get to be reminded of who we are, get to know uh, where we are as a church and what we long to see in the future. This is a, this is a vision uh, sermon. Uh, some people call this vision casting. Every time I hear someone talk about vision casting, I think of a, of a lonely pastor on a boat, uh, kind of like uh, yeah, the, the, the lame brother and the godfather, uh, sitting on a boat, just sort of casting his reel into the water, hoping he can find some sort of vision. Uh, that's what I always imagine when I hear someone saying, I'm going to do some vision casting. Uh, but what, some really exciting news about what I have to say today is that uh, I get to describe not like a vision that uh, some of us came up with that's really cool or spectacular, but actually just remind us of, of God's vision, which is so far beyond what we could ever imagine, but his vision for his people. And a lot of what I'll share, too, will sound like uh, we're not doing very well. Uh, or there's things for us to do, or step into, or begin to, to follow. Uh, and before any of that, I just want you to know that as God looks at us, and His vision for us as a body, He looks at Soma Culver City, and He says, There is my bride, I've made her clean and beautiful, I love her, you know, cannot wait uh, for eternity to spend with us. Uh, that's good news, Right? God looks at our church and he says, there she is, righteous and beautiful and whole uh, because of all that Jesus has done. And that's really good news. So none of what I get to share makes us more of a church. Uh, It doesn't make us uh, more excellent as a church if we were to to do those things. It's merely uh, what I get to do is share uh, things that we believe God has called us to, to walk into towards greater faithfulness to what Jesus is telling us and leading us to do, to grow up and to be more and more mature uh, as a church. Uh, A few other things about vision uh, sermons uh, is one is, it's an important part of leadership. So like, why do we do this every January? Uh, I had a mentor that told me, uh, leadership comes down to two things, like stating what's real Uh, defining reality. Uh, A leader is someone who stands up and says, this is what's real about what's going on and who we are. Uh, If you want to know, like, what is a father supposed to do as he leads his family? The definition of that is someone who just defines reality. I think that's what's so heartbreaking and betraying at times is when our leaders at whatever capacity, our bosses at work or something, just pretends like, uh, they live in an ulterior reality, right? And they pretend like nothing is uh, happening or nothing good or bad. So that's one of the things I get to do. And another thing that a leader always does if they're doing their job well is also define the ideal uh, to move towards it. So leadership is about defining what's true and real today, but also where we're headed. And often uh, most of our personalities kind of fall into two of those camps. Some of us want to just live and breathe and like, hey, this is who we are right now. Look how messed up we are. Or this is who we are right now. Like, let's never change. And then other people are like, I just want to live in the future. That would be awesome. Let's just 
talk about the future. Let's just pretend that we're already there. And so hopefully this morning we get to combine it together. Uh, the, the vision for 2019, is, as I'll share it, uh, is born out of uh, prayer. So just to let you guys know, where do these phrases come from each year as we lay them out? Uh, we take a, a day as elders, a Saturday every fall, and we commit to getting together to pray. And so like this last fall, we got together in Tripp's unfinished house, uh, but there were walls and things. It wasn't a dirt house, really. It was like a plywood house at that, at that point. Uh, but we drank some coffee and we prayed. We prayed for the whole day. And then we looked at numbers, numbers that I'm going to share in a little bit. And then we, we prayed some more. Uh, then we began to evaluate what is a strong church? What's a healthy church? Where are we compared to a healthy, thriving church? And we prayed some more. And, and all throughout that day, at the very last third of it, we kind of came to some clarity on this is the one thing that we really want to rally around and grow in this year. Uh, and so that thing is something that uh, is not from a tablet of stone that like we went up a mountain and God wrote on it. And so what I have to say is like that sort of authority. Uh, it's not the Ten Commandments, but it's just our best unified vision of what we think God's calling us towards as we prayed that one day and as we've prayed since. Uh, so yeah, that's what we're going to do this morning. Fun. I'm going to pray for us again. Jesus, I pray for our hearts and our minds that as we uh, talk about the state of things and talk about the future of things, that we would have uh, soft, soft hearts, that we would be able to receive and hear, uh, that we would be encouraged by your Spirit. I also pray for us to, to receive challenges and uh, hopes and longing. I pray that we would be a unified uh, body, unified by you as our rescuer, Jesus. I pray that that you would be what binds and holds us together. Uh, Not something merely exciting that could happen uh, or a task for us to uphold, but that we would, yeah, be unified by your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So the first thing I want to talk about is numbers. So where are we, state of the church? Uh, We have, anyone here like numbers? Is that a... Well, let's see, the numbers people versus the drawings people. Who likes drawings? That's awesome. That's what I thought. Uh, so everyone, just bear with me for a few minutes. Uh, there's the state of the church, I think, can kind of be summed up when you look at numbers about a few different structures. Uh, for us as a church, we find that, uh, or we've decided, or we've looked into the scriptures, what we think is the best way to organize our church so that each one of us is discipled up into Christ, into maturity, that we're growing in faith, hope, and love, would be that we would have worship gatherings, like what we're doing right now, where we'd gather together to hear the word of God, to take communion, to pray, to hear the voices of others saying things that are true. Uh, I don't know about you, but some of you were probably, as we sang that last song, saying, I don't know if I believe that God has always been with me, but I hear all these other people proclaiming that truth over me, right? That's, Sundays are so important because of that. Uh, I also don't know about you, but probably often you kind of come to the Bible, whenever you come to the Bible, and you sort of scroll through or whatever you know, random thing you version told you to read that day, like that's what you're going to read. <laughs> Uh, or whatever excites you the most. But then on Sundays, we gather together and you don't get to decide what you hear or what you read. 
but a few other people have decided. Also, side note, we don't even get to decide often which passage we get to preach, right? But we come under the word, we hear the word of God, it reminds us of the story uh, that we find ourselves in, the true story of the whole world of God redeeming and restoring everything. So one of the crucial elements of our church is what happens on Sundays, when we gather together. I think sometimes, uh, often we share that, hey, Sundays isn't all of what it means to be a disciple. Anyone heard that in our body? (laughs) Everyone's nodding their heads. But what I fear, sometimes you might hear Sundays are not important to being discipled. What we're just saying is Sundays aren't all of what it means to be a disciple. Some of us have been uh, sort of trained in believing that what happens for an hour and a half is the sufficiency of learning to follow Jesus. And that's just not so, but Sundays are incredibly crucial. Uh, You know it's crucial because it's been a a strategy of the church for 2,000 years. Uh, So it's not uh, a new strategy. They're like, well, they did that in the 80s, but that's really lame now. Uh, we've, we've progressed uh, to new styles that look a lot like the 80s. Uh, I got some really good shoes over Christmas. I'll show them off later. But Biela told me not to wear them today. Uh, so here's some statistics on this, this crucial disciple-making environment uh, with the gatherings. This is what last year looked like. Uh, last year, our, our average uh, attendance, people coming, was 110 adults and 20 kids. Oh, yeah, sweet. Have those been up there for a while? Okay. Uh, our highest attendance was 140 adults and 30 kids. Our lowest attendance was 60 adults and 8 kids. Uh, some of what you can see right there is pretty exciting. Like, that's, if you've been around for a while, that's more than normal or more in past years. A lot of you, as you shared last week, uh, you know, you can remember sitting in a living room once, and then eight years later, there's, there's that many people. So many people, that's the size of a, of a room where you can't know everyone intimately and really well, right? It's actually a, a gathering of, of saints. Uh, one of the things I just want to point out for us is uh, some of these numbers reveal uh, a huge inconsistency uh, that uh, some Sundays, like the 140 number... Uh, Marks like the high point, uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, That's not a high point for, uh, man, we just had 40 visitors that Sunday. That was just a Sunday when we all, who were part of the church, came. The other Sundays, some of us are not here, some of us are here. Uh, Some of that that low level is kind of a number of, uh, there are other things going on. Like, there wasn't a plague where 50 of us got sick, right? Right? (laughs) <laughs> there have been plagues, I guess, in the past. <laughs> no one got the Spanish flu, I hope. So one of the things I just want to encourage us in is that if this is a, a, a crucial part for us to know the truth and to live the truth, uh, we should make every effort, every decision of even how we plan our vacations and how we plan our weekends, how we structure our weeks to say, I must come to this place with my fellow saints and hear the word, sing the word, put myself under the truth about God. Because if, if we don't, if we want it just to be something that whenever it feels right, we should do it, or whenever we've gotten enough sleep the day before, or when we don't have any laundry to do, 
then we will come on Sundays. I can tell you for certain we will be tossed to and fro all over the place. Uh, one of the, the main markers or one of the little underlying things that I've seen uh, in my years leading missional communities is that the healthy ones are the ones where everyone is pretty consistently at a gathering, where they're hearing uh, everything that we've been talking about. And so that's just an encouragement. Maybe as you think about this next year, think, how can I be more consistent and prioritize being in this place with these people at 10 a.m. on Sundays? The other important structure of our church is missional communities. Uh, missional communities, as Jared explained earlier, are, are this crucial environment where a group of people have decided we want to learn to follow Jesus in every aspect of life. That, that who he is and his love and his saving of us and his purpose in this world impacts every little aspect of our lives. And it's a group of people that are fighting for that. Uh, missional communities exist to share and to make known the, the glory and the love of God to the people around them. This last year, we had uh, eight missional communities. Uh, we had two uh, new ones multiplied out. Uh, in that multiplication, there were three communities that participated in that. That's super exciting. Uh, it meant that multiple communities were working together to see new ones start. Uh, this last year, we had 92 adults in missional communities and 22 kids. Uh, that average, uh, if you want to be good at math, works out to be around 14 people. It's like the size of each missional community. Uh, last year, we had 23 uh, leaders, and even that's what it is right now. Uh, if you break that down, that means that that's a little bit less than three missional community leaders per, per MC. So uh, three leaders per community, uh, less than that. Uh, what we'd like to see always uh, is at least three leaders per missional community. And ideally, it would be four leaders. Uh, so one of the things that that number just says is we have some leaders that are overworked, uh, and need, uh, we need more leaders as well. Uh, this last year, we saw 24 people within our body uh, who moved to other parts of the world uh, or other states, other places for work or vocations or whatnot. And those are people that were embedded in communities and sent out growing in the gospel. It's, those are people that we've prayed for on Sundays. You've experienced that. And, and one the, I don't know if that number is up there. No, it's not. But uh, So those 24 people, I think, is a powerful legacy that our church has. I think often we can say, oh, I wish those people were around now. Uh, but it's amazing to think about uh, being a church in a city that's tra transient uh, and the people that we intentionally pray for as they leave. Uh, excitingly, this last year, 251 people who do not know Jesus were engaged in the life of these missional communities, either proactively, a community's uh, common specific mission, or relationally, as people in community uh, have brought in others. Those are, that's a wonderful, uh, exciting number. Also, we saw seven people come to faith and be baptized this year. Uh, six, yeah, thank you. Uh, in 2018, so that doesn't even count. Last Sunday, which is awesome. Uh, and that it actually uh, breaks down a few, because we had leaders fill this information out for us. 60% uh, of our missional communities had someone come to faith within their communities, which is really awesome. Uh, moving on, our DNA groups is another crucial component of 
discipling people in our church. Uh, that's the final structure. Uh, there are groups of men and women who get together regularly to discover the truths about God and the scriptures, to care for one another and nurture each other's heart towards repentance and faith and healing. Uh, and they step into uh, obedience and they act out their faith. That's what DNA stands for, discover, nurture, and act. Uh, and this is a, a crucial component to someone growing up in the faith. Uh, This last year, there were 27 groups, uh, 13 women groups, 14 men groups. Uh, There were 89 people in DNA, uh, 44 women, 45 men. Uh, That is pretty exciting. I think one of the things that you uh, see through all three of these numbers is our church is pretty good at participating in all the different spaces, at some level, like the number for how many people are in DNA groups is really similar to the number of people uh, in worship gatherings is really similar to the number of people in missional communities. I think it also kind of exposes, uh, yeah, a little bit of inconsistency there as well. Uh, the last metric that we uh, track, uh, or last grouping of numbers, is about finances. Uh, sometimes we don't like to talk about money. I think talking about money is really fun. Uh, our culture talks about money all the time. Like, the value of a movie is how many people paid to watch it, right? That's why people don't like Netflix anymore, because they don't have to share the box office scores, right? We love to talk about money in our culture, but we don't like to talk about it in the church. Someone else who really liked to talk about money uh, was Jesus. Uh, if you've If you commit to just reading a gospel this year, one of the things you will find is that he seems to be uh, talking about money a lot. Uh, One of the things and reasons why that is is because uh, what we do with our finances and what God has given us directly reveals what's in our hearts and what we're passionate about and what we care about. Uh, You can look at your budget and you can see uh, what you care about and what's important to you. And so that's why I like to talk about money uh, within the context of the church. Because I think that whenever we see how, how we're giving or how we're sacrificing or how we're leveraging those resources, we kind of see uh, what we care about. Uh, this last year, uh, giving was down from the year before by over $12,000. So that works out to being $1,000 less each month. Uh, also, this, this uh, metric is uh, giving units, uh, which is not a better way to describe this. But a giving unit is a, a group of people that are giving from the same bank account. So a husband and a wife uh, count as a giving unit. Uh, a single person counts as a giving unit. That's how it works out. Because the numbers get really weird if you say giving per person, because that makes it strange, because some people are giving the same bank account. Uh, Anyway, so that's what a giving unit is. There are 60 giving units this last year. Uh, Average giving was $263 a month. Uh, That number, uh, some of you might be like, that's a whole bunch of money. That's amazing. Uh, The reality, though, is that that's that's pretty low for the median income of living in western west side of Los Angeles. Uh, That average giving per family or per single person is is lower than what you would expect. Uh, one of the things that, that shows us is that 
uh, we're not giving consistently. So some of our giving units give once a year, twice a year, three times a year. Uh, others uh, are giving every month, and that makes it very inconsistent. Uh, it also reveals that sometimes we're giving uh, because we know there's enough to go around. There's some extra to give to uh, the church. There's extra to give towards uh, the body. Uh, we would just sort of side note, this isn't the big vision for the year, but, but that number should probably double this next year. Uh, and so maybe for you to be thinking through, how can I uh, give consistently from the very beginning of each paycheck towards uh, the mission of God and th- to his church? Uh, how can uh, you structure your budget in a way that you can give uh, from you know, 3% to 5% or 5% to 8% or, or maybe giving uh, 10% of your income right off the bat uh, to God and to his mission? Uh, and so that's uh, something to be aware of. I'm sure we'll talk about that more. Uh, and if you have questions about how our budget works or anything like that, you can talk to Trip. <laughs> uh, no, it's, uh, we have a really wonderful finance team that work really hard to gauge that. There's multiple people looking at it all the time. Uh, I'm not one of those people. So, yeah. The other thing that's exciting, though, is, is despite all that, we gave uh, $19,320 towards church planting uh, this past year, which is an amazing amount of generosity towards uh, what we care about of seeing not just churches started here, not just on the West Coast, but around the world. Uh, and also, uh, relationally this last year, like not through the church, but uh, our best kind of conservative estimate as we've talked to leaders is $1,200 a month was given towards meeting the needs of other people uh, in our church and outside of our church, which is an incredible point of generosity. But also, to be honest, I think that that number could like triple or quadruple this year too. Uh, so those are the, the numbers. Uh, so all the drawing people, I hope you stuck with me through that. But numbers alone don't explain like, where we are as a church. Uh, that would be kind of foolish to say, like, oh, well, that explains everything, right? Uh, we also have to look at the, the nature of the church. So even us as elders, uh, we looked at those numbers and we prayed, and then we began to talk about uh, the, the very quality of our church. Like, how are we at making disciples? Uh, one of the, the ways that we did that was by looking at the commands that Jesus gave us, Uh, to love God with your heart, heart, mind, soul, strength. Uh, Jesus also called us to love our neighbors as ourselves. He also called us to love one another. Those are the three commands that Jesus gives us. And the the Great Commission uh, in Matthew uh, 28, 16 to the end, uh, Jesus commands us to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey all that he commanded us. All that he commanded us are those three things, to love God, to love one another, and to love our neighbor. And so we began asking that question, how are we growing in those things? Uh, I think uh, we also uh, put out these huge sticky uh, notepads, like the really big ones, and we all took turns writing on the different strengths that we have as a church uh, in light of, of these things. Uh, we saw that we're growing uh, in some ways really well in love for God. 
uh, that, that people are reading their Bibles and community more than they have uh, in a while. We saw that uh, people are, are caring for one another in really uh, important ways. We saw that some, in some cases we're really growing and loving our neighbors. Uh, but one of the things that I think that stuck out to us that we all kind of had agreement on was that one of the things that we uh, are, are losing sight of is even just a passion to grow in those things at all. Uh, the, the word that continually came up uh, was apathy. Uh, that we're sort of apathetic towards uh, growing up in the truths about who God is. Uh, we're apathetic towards uh, the, the needs of the people around us in our own communities. And then uh, even as we talked to leaders, we found out that we're super weak or super uh, apathetic towards loving uh, the people outside of the church, people who do not believe in the gospel at all, to, to see them come to know Jesus. Uh, there was apathy around that. Uh, one of the other things that we saw was that there's a, uh, a lack of, of prioritizing just who God is and what he is like in our lives. One of the expressions of that is uh, a lack of joy, uh, a lack of confidence, a lack of endurance. All of those things come from us saying, well, yeah, like Jesus is true. I like Jesus. But also, like, maybe these other things are equally true and helpful. Uh, yeah, like Jesus is good for, like, talking about my anxiety, but he's not good for talking about my work or my finances or my home or my housing or my purpose in life. Uh, which kind of leads to the, the last sort of way that we uh, examined where we are as a church was by thinking about where God has put us. Because we're not just a, a random church uh, in some void, are we? We're a church in a place. Uh, we're a church in a city, a, a particular city. We're in Los Angeles. We're in the west side of Los Angeles. And so we began to look at the, the external things around us in this particular place. Uh, and I just say that that's super important for us to do. Even as you uh, explore your own life and like, how do I want to lead or grow in my life? You might think uh, in a void. But I would encourage you to think of being in a place. Uh, this last uh, Friday night, I was in a church in Houston uh, talking. Uh, the church was, uh, was pretty... Remarkable, actually. I thought it was going to be really lame, but the church was pretty amazing. Uh, whenever, you, uh, whenever I was listening to their, their staff talk about their church and their history, it was a 40-year-old church, but uh, two years ago when Hurricane Harvey happened, it radically transformed uh, their whole vision for their church. Uh, they had to realize that they didn't need to have like the best childcare services available. They didn't need to have uh, the coolest laser light shows or anything like that. But it kind of wrecked them to realize they need to open up their homes and care for all of these people who had been flooded. Uh, they, they adjusted their whole strategy for their church based on what was happening and the crisis that was happening around them. Uh, in the same way, uh, for us as a church, I want us to look at our city. Uh, and as we discussed it as elders, I think we, we began realizing that uh, we live in a place that is uh, as hungry as ever for meaningful relationships. Uh, we live in a city that's always talking, uh, never listening. Uh, that, that's always uh, debating, never at peace. 
Uh, always at conflict, never you know, slowing down. Uh, we live in a city that is uh, rushing from one moment to the next. A city that's, that's asking some really wonderful, big questions. Like, what's important? What's good? Like, can we say that these things are bad and then these other things are good? Uh, we live in a, in a culture, in a moment, where we're saying, uh, surely uh, someone must be held accountable for what's wrong and what's messed up. At the same time, we live in a cultural moment, a cultural uh, situation where our city is saying, nobody can tell us what is good and what is right. But we want to have some people accountable. Does anyone feel that reality? Uh, we live in a, a place that, where people are putting uh, all of their energy or much of their energy to either surviving or to leaving this huge mark on the world, right? Uh, a lot of this city, uh, maybe we don't participate in that often, but I think a lot of us are in this camp are just trying to make the next paycheck, right? Uh, the, me- the next uh, rent payment, just surviving. That's so much of our city. Then there's this other portion, and maybe it also includes some of the first, is saying, how can I leave this world with my, my own imprint on it in this miraculous, wonderful way, like where people know my name or the stuff that I've done, people know about, right? That's our, our culture, our moment. A passion for many things that's, that's waning based on circumstances, And as I think about that, I just think of what a remarkable opportunity. Uh, This this amazing place. Uh, I think uh, my, whenever we were writing down opportunities and uh, challenges, uh, in the opportunities section, I think I wrote, uh, mass coming economic chaos. It's one of the greatest opportunities facing our city. Uh, It'll be so great when nobody has any money anymore. Uh, no, or, but what an amazing opportunity. Also in the opportunity section that, that there's this uh, void of people saying this is what's true and this is what's right and this is what's wrong and this is what's good and this is what's beautiful and this is what's evil and wicked. What an amazing opportunity. I think also uh, when you look at the people and the world around us, I think you can just see uh, a city that's awesome in so many ways. A city I like being part of. I know I just got here, but now I'm like a native, right? It's been 18 months. I've been here like so, so long. What a city that we live in. But what an also amazing purpose we have to introduce this city to the person of Jesus. Uh, which leads me, all of that, to what is our vision for 2019. Uh, We want to become fervent in living and speaking the truth in love in our cultural moment. We want to become fervent, which is an intentionally weird word, I'll define in a minute, in living and speaking the truth in love in our cultural moment. And also, I just want to read Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, because this is... Uh, some of what we're reading as a church as we even came to this, this view for 2019. 
It says, and he, that's Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, Rather, speaking the truth, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. We, would, we want to, rather than being tossed to and fro, We want to be speaking the truth in love in a way that each of us grows up into the fullness of Christ. That we would attain a maturity and a knowledge of the Son of God that would make us united. And so that's what brings us to that, uh, that goal, that we would become fervent in living and speaking the truth in love in our cultural moment. Uh, fervent, uh, I know you're all looking it up in your Apple dictionaries. Uh, Fervent means to, to have or display a passionate intensity. Uh, I know no one will get this reference, but, you know, like Nick Saban, the college football coach. Yep, no one. Uh, other uh, synonyms are uh, to be ardent, to be sincere, to be profound, to be deep-seated, to be spirited, uh, we, we pray as elders for us as a church to become uh, spiritually driven uh, for these things. That, that what would happen is that our very nature would change to not just be uh, excited about the commands of Scripture or to be excited about the structures that we have, but that, that we and our souls would burn uh, with zeal. For the, for the truth about who God is, that we would become people that wake up each morning excited at the privilege that we have to display the gospel and to speak the gospel. That we would uh, have that kind of spirit-driven passion that can't be conjured up by really good rallies or something like that. Uh, they can't be uh, conjured up by us creating some sort of new law of saying, hey, everyone do these ten things and then you'll be good. But that each of us would actually have a spiritual transformation deep within our souls where we would be passionate about the opportunity to live the truth and speak the truth in the place that God has put us. That's what fervent means. And then we, we said we want to become fervent in living the truth. That we would embody the truth. Uh, that our lives, how we live, and, and the things that we care about, and all of the resources at our disposal, and all of our time, and gift, and energies, and careers, would all be leveraged with passion towards the truth. Towards the gospel of Jesus. Uh, Andy Crouch is a uh, kind of a cultural scholar. One of the things that he writes is that Christians have been really good for a long time at defining worldview. 
saying like, hey, this is the Christian worldview. Uh, everyone get on board with thinking about the world the way we think about it. Uh, and even uh, what the church for many years has said the world needs is just to be told, hey, this is the right way to look at the world. Like, follow this story. Live this way. But what Andy Crouch says is that what we really need more than anything else, what our world needs more than anything else, is for a people to embody that worldview. For it to, to have flesh and bones and eyes and ears and to walk into every sphere of our culture and our city. And so we want to see our church become passionate, to become fervent, dependent on the Spirit to embody the gospel. We also uh, want to speak the truth. We want to grow in being able to proclaim the gospel of God. In Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 14 and 15, uh, it begins, it's the beginning of this gospel, and it says, Jesus was, came into Galilee and was proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, Repent and believe, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, that, that phrase that's so amazing, though, there is that he came proclaiming. Uh, the, the word literally means it's what he was doing all the time in every setting. He was saying over and over again, uh, it's the context for the whole book itself, is that you can assume that what Jesus is doing at every time and place is he's making the gospel known to the people around him. Uh, often we've described that as gospel fluency, right? Which is a cool phrase. That we'd be so uh, understanding of the gospel, we'd be so entrenched in it, we'd be so aware of it, that what comes out of our mouths is the truth about God and His love for us and His love for the people around us. Through His own death and through His own resurrection, we see the good news. So we want to speak and live the truth in love. Uh, the truth that, that Jesus has restored all things. The good news of the gospel is that through Jesus' death and resurrection, he's defeated sin, death, and evil, and he's making all things new, even you and even me. There would be a passion about living that out and speaking that out uh, in our cultural moment. Now, this is uh, quite a popular phrase these days. Has anyone heard this spoken around, like our cultural moment? There's a really great podcast by one of my uh, former pastor friends in Portland called Our Cultural Moment. You can uh, check it out. Uh, what this means. Our cultural moment means, uh, because it's easy to talk about our culture, right? Just in this vague generality. Like the Western culture, American culture, even you could talk about Los Angeles and its culture. But a cultural moment is uh, a place, uh, a specific place, and a sphere of relationships that we find ourselves in with the tasks that we've been given very specifically. Our cultural moment for us is this place, this city, with the people God has put around us, how do we speak and live the truth there? How do we speak the, and live the truth in a, in a cultural moment that wants to say, uh, you know, 
Everything can be true and everything can be false. How do we uh, live and bring the good news in a loving way in a culture that says, you must accept all these things about me or I can't accept anything about you. Our desire is that uh, we will become a bridge in this city. That we'll become people that, that stand uh, with the knowledge and the truth of the scriptures and about who God is and what he's done for us in the gospel. And a city that feels in so many ways opposed to that truth. But that in a, the way that we embody the truth, the way that we speak the truth, we would build a bridge into this cultural moment. Uh, our desire is that that would become a strength of our church, ongoing. Uh, one of the, the main strengths that we have as a church is that we're able to speak the gospel to one another pretty well. Uh, it happens often in our missional communities and in our DNA groups. We even speak the gospel to fears and anxieties or frustrations or anger, and we speak it really well in a uh, relational, one-to-one way. But one of the things that we absolutely need to grow in is how do we speak the gospel towards politics and sexuality and gender uh, and beauty and art? How do we speak the gospel into those things? Because one of the main things that people uh, that we love and our neighbors and our friends who do not believe the gospel, one of the main things that they need to know is not just how the gospel applies to them, but how the gospel applies to the entire world and to our city. And so we want to grow in that so that the story of God and what he's doing in this world would become clear uh, to the people around us. We want to do this not so that we can become a better church, uh, but for me it's a conviction that this is something we have to grow in just to be the church in this city. And there's a lot of uh, next step sort of directives that we have related to that. Uh, I'll share just a few, but we'll share a lot more in the coming weeks. But one of the things we want is each missional community to walk through the story of God this year. Uh, Maybe you did it last year, but we want you to do it again uh, this year to to put yourselves uh, within that story so that we can share the story of God uh, in compelling ways to those around us. Uh, This spring, we're going to preach through a whole series on uh, many of the topics I just listed off and how how does Jesus make our culture new? How does he renew uh, all things? Where does, where does the story of God speak to uh, the seeming uh, conflicts that, that the Bible has, that the truth about God has with our culture? Uh, we're also going to gear uh, and orient all of our trainings for our missional community leaders around these topics this year. Uh, And all of our shepherding and our coaching is going to emphasize that this year. As we care for leaders, we're going to be asking them, how are you growing up in these things? We're going to start a uh, theology class uh, that will start in February, and then we'll have another one uh, in the fall, uh, in October, November. It'll be eight weeks uh, class taking us through a biblical theology uh, so that we can be more uh, knowledgeable about the truth about God, so that we can speak it to one another. Uh, And the next week, we're going to take time to be praying and sharing more about this in our gathering. It'll be uh, a worship and prayer gathering. It'll be really fun. Uh, The week after that, we're going to share where we see ourselves in our 10-year vision of becoming a church that plants more churches in this city. Uh, but today, that's, that's really all I want to leave with us, is that 
information that we want to become a church that is fervent in living and speaking the truth in love in our cultural moment. That as Paul says, even in this passage, that we would uh, grow to mature, that we would uh, understand the measure and the stature and the fullness of Christ. He's saying there that we would uh, be uh, aware of how Christ fills all things. Aware of how Jesus plays in every aspect of our lives. In every part of the world, Christ is involved. That we would grow with our eyes to see that. We pray too that this year we would grow uh, to not be like children who are tossed to and fro by every wave or carried around by every wind of doctrine. It's really uh, funny. My children are uh, really bad at sarcasm, right? Uh, Like Tripp has all these really funny jokes that he plays with my children, and they believe him every time. Like as a child, they're just like, okay, yeah, that's true. Yeah, the world is flat, or whatever it might be. But I think that that's often how we are uh, within this world. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, like, I should care about just myself. That's true. That's a truth. Our world spends millions of dollars a year trying to convince us to waste our lives. To waste our lives on frivolous things. It's big business. It's compelling. It's human cunning. It's craftiness. It's deceit. So we pray that rather than those things, we would be people that speak the truth of hope and love into our city. That we would speak very clearly that all sin and death and evil has been conquered by Christ's death and resurrection for us. And that he's making this entire world new. It's really good news. Uh, for you, I, uh, I want to call us to be transformed as you think about how to respond to all this. You know, some of you might have like latched hold to like, those financial numbers, or you've like latched hold to like, man, we should put streamers out in the front and then the gathering numbers would go up or whatever. Like, there's a lot of strategic minds in here. But maybe for you, uh, I hope that you'll focus on the, the transformation piece just in the next week or so, thinking about what would it look like for you to become fervent and the, and the purpose God has given you. As Tripp talked about last week, no one is here on accident. No one is in this city, in this church, in this moment, by accident. So I wonder, could we surrender our apathy towards the things God has called us to? And instead become passionate about those very same things. Perhaps for you it's becoming serious about exploring the truth that you're unsure of. Uh, a very common refrain, uh, it's a, I don't know, post-evangelical thing, or if you're like uh, that old singer Derek Webb, it's an ex-evangelical thing, is to say, I just don't know what the truth is anymore. <laughs> oh, really? How are you exploring it? I don't know. I don't do that. 
Perhaps for you it's becoming serious to look at the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus and to actually explore with your mind and your heart how would you know it's true? And does it measure up to the truths that you're hearing in this world? So you become, can become passionate about living and speaking the truth. Or maybe uh, this is a calling as you become fervent to a life of laboring in prayer. Uh, we have lots of cool strategies and plans to make this happen. Uh, we had a great brainstorm session. It came really quickly. A lot of them, a lot of those strategies probably will not work. Some of them might. Some of them we could like pull off these great trainings and no one show up. The thing that will transform our church is if we become a people of prayer. And that's why next week we're going to take the whole Sunday to pray. And perhaps for you it's tentatively putting up your hand to say, I want to be equipped further and further for this. I want to take ownership in the discipling of other people. Uh, I saw that missional community leader number, and I want to like sign up and join the leaders in my community and, and shepherd and care for a group of people towards greater gospel fluency. Or perhaps for you it's to become spirited in the vision for your life and just to embody the truth. Everyone here was put on this earth for a, a, a remarkable reason. I think it often gets lost as we pay our bills and try to figure out you know, where our kids are going to go to school or if our careers are measuring up to what we had in mind or our roommate living situations. It's, I think one of the most powerful things uh, distracting people in our city is just housing in our city and it just consumes us. But what if instead we were just consumed by the reality that you were put on this earth to worship God and give Him complete glory and to know Him and the power of His resurrection? To become passionate about that truth in a way that it would change how you make all those decisions and your confidence of what good could happen or bad could happen in any area of your life. I just want to leave us with the good news that Jesus loves this church like a whole bunch. Uh, there's so much evidence of that. And Jesus is using our church uh, in remarkable ways. Uh, Christ continues to make me new through this body and through this church. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray for a passion and a zeal for your city. We pray that you would uh, yeah, transform our hearts. I pray that you will uh, grow us up. Help us be mature. We pray that you'll do a, a revival and a renewal in our souls this year. Uh, you, are the, you are the one uh, that leads to all excitement. I pray that we would know you and you alone. That we would trust in you and you alone. I pray that 2019 would be a year where you do far more uh, than we could ever imagine or see or notice. 
Uh, thank you, Jesus, for your bride, for your church. It's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.